listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to a jumbo-sized episode 44 of the Testudo Times Podcast. As a new influx comes in, another leaves. This is going to be a special show. I was planning on doing this sort of split where we could talk about revs and non-revs and all the news that you need to know from football and basketball and then get a discussion on what's going on with lacrosse and baseball and softball. And then everything happened at once, and now I can't do that. But we've got two people to join us now. One's going to join us later, Alex Kirshner. Boy, what a four days it's been for Maryland athletics, and football and basketball haven't played a game yet. Yeah, it's been something, huh? But uh, the the news, uh, we're recording this on Monday night, so we can just say the news tonight, um, none of it particularly surprising. I think it was probably, if you were taking odds, it was what you would have guessed would have happened. But at the same time, it's uh, very consequential for Maryland. It is a huge bit of news after a couple of consequential days of news, like 10 days ago and then Thursday and Friday. Matt Allentuck is here, so you know exactly what we're talking about. Just a little inside podcasting here. The news we're referring to, that Diamond Stone is hiring an agent, Mellow Trimble is declaring for the draft, all happened about 30 minutes before we were going to record the show. I was in the middle of recording another podcast, which has nothing to do with Maryland athletics, and I'm looking at the bottom line. I saw the thing from Jeff Goodman. I'm like, uh-oh. But and then another way, I'm saying, this is incredibly convenient. How nice of this news to drop right before we're recording a podcast so we can be fresh and new and talk about it immediately and then Matt Allen Tuck is joining us and that's fantastic for one of our basketball experts what's going on yeah I mean it finally it has been a little while I got a little break I think once the season ended you did but uh, you got a break because my recording software decided to have a seizure and a panic attack and then go haywire all at once Uh, but it's Mm. working now which is fantastic news so you don't get terrible quality sound from the great guests of this show, like you did last week. And let's get right to the news that you all want us to talk about, and that is that Diamond Stone has hired an agent and that Mellow Trimble's declaring for the draft but will not hire an agent. I remember saying before that I thought Diamond Stone was the most likely to leave. He really kind of felt like a one-and-done, even when Maryland was able to get him last year, this time, basically. Uh, Alex, he's hiring an agent. We all thought he was probably going to be one and done. I think that this is obviously confirmation of that. You're not surprised, and you don't sound surprised by this news, are you? I'm not surprised. Uh, I think that you know, on, on all counts, it makes some sense, uh, but particularly for Diamond Stone, um, that he goes and given the money that's on the table. And Matt did a really good job detailing this the other day. Uh, I guess at the end of last week. He's going to make, as long as he doesn't fall out of the first round, he's guaranteed uh, to make seven figures over his first couple of years in the league. Uh, that's money that can't be taken away from him and that if you're playing in college, you don't get and you have to wait on. And I think given that his career is going to end when it's going to end, I mean, you don't know when that's going to be, but you want to maximize as many years as you can of, uh, of making money. And the only reason not to do that is if you really think you're going to increase your stock uh, this is a weaker draft year than next year's, is I think the pretty common consensus, and so I just don't think it would have made a whole lot of sense uh, for him to stay. I think also, Matt, and I believe you'll probably agree with me on this, the position that he plays also makes it a lot more palatable for him to enter the draft because we see the NBA transitioning away from seven-foot centers and the big men towards more perimeter shooting and three-point shooters and athletic guards like Steph Curry. Everybody's infatuated with that now. If you're going to enter the draft now, you got to make your money while you can. And the lifespan of a big man in the NBA, 
might be four or five years at max. Right now, the way the NBA is going, we've seen it before with other great big men that just haven't panned out. you got to get your cash when you can, and I, I don't blame Diamond Stone for this. He always sort of felt like one and done, as I said. And not only that, it never really seemed like he was going to stay a second year, and I think the, the way this draft was going, this year declaring as well, and he's a worse player than Diamond Stone at this point. I don't think any of it should be all that surprising. No, uh, I don't think it's that surprising. Uh, I think maybe the more surprising thing is how early both Stone and Robert Carter decided to sign with agents. Um, I am particularly surprised that they didn't take advantage of the NCAA's new rule, uh, which allows players to enter the combine uh, without an agent and come back if things don't work their way. The only reason I'm saying that is even if Carter and Stone both have in their mind that they're, you know, they're definitely leaving, I don't know you know, why they would sign with an agent so soon. There Maybe there's some things that I don't know. I mean, God forbid either one of them were to get injured in the next month plus doing non-basketball things. Maybe it would have been a better idea to have the option to come back. But again, this is something that uh, is brand new to pretty much everyone with the, with the new rules. So maybe there are things that we don't yet know, uh, maybe financial reasons or, you know, I don't know the background about uh, signing with agents. But it does surprise me that the three of them all didn't decide to enter without agents and, you know, play it by that. But again, uh, Stone and Carter were probably, they were probably leaving. I, I think that to that point, Matt, Robert Carter and Diamond Stone both kind of felt like they were leaving. There are different reasons for both for leaving. And I don't know if keeping the process open really benefits them at all. Maybe it would have benefited Stone more than Carter, as, as we talked about, Alex, on the last podcast. Diamonds, uh, not Diamond Stone, excuse me, Robert Carter is 22. He's not getting any younger. Uh, going back to college doesn't really help you as a fifth year. If he doesn't get drafted, he could go have a successful career in Europe. It, it, for him, it felt like it was time to make money. But for Stone, maybe if you had left it open a bit, I guess you could have, well, it would have made us fans go a little bit crazy saying there was still a chance. But I don't think either of them signing with an agent is really surprising. If you're that strong in your convictions about your decision you might as well go for it and for both of them i don't think there was really any reason to leave the process open unlike mellow trimble and we'll get to that you want to that jump is, in matt on this discussion yeah no there's there's definitely a lot of things to talk about because uh well first thing i definitely want to touch on is people are going to jump and make you know rash uh or take, take fans strong, are going to do that no you're they're, kidding they're going to take they're going to take I would definitely, uh, I'm going to promote myself here and check out the chart that I made with, you know, the money that the players are probably looking at. And it's pretty insane for anyone to think someone at 19 years old like Diamond or even 22 like Rob Carter is going to look at the figures that they can possibly be making or not even possibly, probably be making uh, heading into the draft and decline to play. Uh, first of all, another season of probably meaningless basketball uh, in their minds. Uh, Maryland, if they were going to make a real run this year, was probably going to be that year. Uh, and on top of it, it's another year of strain on their bodies where they're not getting paid. And if for Diamond Stone, there's, there was never a chance he was staying for four years, so it's not like Diamond's here to get a degree. Uh, Diamond, Diamond's going to the NBA. It's something that uh, has been talked about since he was a freshman in high school. I mean, he's been looked at for forever. Um, so those are definitely, you know, things to things to consider when people are going to say, you know, I wish, I wish Diamond came back. He's not ready. He's not mature enough. Which I mean, all may be true. Maybe he's not ready. But this is the time where they have to make money, and it's going to come uh, to help him in the future also because 
for a guy like Diamond, who's a high, you know, a high-level prospect, the chances are that he's going to stick around for higher, uh, for longer than the league average five years in the NBA. So he's looking at uh, signing another contract when he hits 23 or 24, and then another contract when he hits 20, 28 or 29. The big game in the NBA is how many contracts you can get in your lifespan in the NBA, and he's going to want to sign for you know bigger money. And the year differential, you know, could hurt him if he comes out at 20 instead of. 19 then he's signing his next contract a year later which bumps it back for his next contract a year later uh and then you know when he hits his 30s then he's going to become less desirable and maybe if he's 29 and not 30 at the time you know teams will be willing to throw more money so it's all you know it's all a financial thing and these guys uh only have a couple of years to make their careers worth of money because this is it i mean diamond doesn't have the option to intern like the rest of us college students do over the summer he doesn't have those kind of opportunities he's always playing basketball so this is his time to capitalize and make money because uh, this this is their career. This is it. This is what they've been working for. So those things are all important to keep in mind. Alex, I want to get you back in on this. I, I agree with everything Matt said, particularly for Diamond Stone. The lifespan of a big man in the NBA is not very long. We've seen players like him. I'm not going to say it's Greg Oden, but Craig Oden, Yao's, all even the new big men that have come in, even Alex Len. I mean, he's been decent with the Suns, but you got to maximize your potential while you have it. And Diamond Stone has plenty of it, and especially in a down draft. The higher you get drafted, the more money you make. So for Diamond Stone, I'm not surprised. On the Robert Carter subject, on the basketball reasons side of things, I thought he was the most likely to come back because his game wasn't as good, and he had a pretty poor tournament like we talked about last week. But his age is an inhibiting factor, and even if he doesn't get drafted, he can play in Europe, and we've seen some players definitely be successful. Uh, your thoughts on both of them declaring and getting agents this quickly? I think that agents do a lot if you hire them, uh, and I, I know that maybe that's just because I've watched Entourage too many oh times. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, but I think that uh, Alex. It, it is very helpful to have somebody who can navigate the extraordinarily the complicated the true story means the the extraordinarily complicated and uh kind of a way vexing world of the nba i mean professional sports are are not a friendly uh are not a friendly environment i mean they're very cutthroat and i think they could be pretty daunting for someone that young whether you're 22 or, or 18 or 19 so i think it makes a lot of sense if you're sure it's what you want to do I think it's the right call for both of them, and, and I think it would have been totally defensible if they weren't sure of themselves. Um, but if you're if you have reasonable certainty that you that you want to be in the NBA uh, and you're willing to to take what comes next, and you you can kind of go out and grab your own future, I don't think there's any problem with, with hiring an agent. And they clearly trust the inner circle that they have around them, and I don't think they'd have any reason not to. Now we'll get to Melo Trimble. I don't think what he did today, which is now a bit of the undercard which is declaring for the draft and not hiring an agent. I don't think that move is altogether surprising because I think he wants to see his draft stock. If he's a second-round pick, yeah. what's the worth in declaring? For him, that wouldn't make sense. But let's see where he ends up because his draft stock definitely took a hit from the start of the year to now. And Matt, Look, the case where it makes oh, sense, it makes a lot of sense if you're going to be, if you're at risk of maybe being a second-round guy and you can get up to a first-round guy if you think you're going to do that. I mean, that's where it makes huge sense to, to stay another year. So I think Melo's making the right call, too. I think this is absolutely the right call, and it doesn't really change the paradigm of we don't know whether he's going to come back or not, and there are going to be the ardent Maryland fans that think he should come back. We have the people 
Uh, the Cleveland reporters saying he's declaring for the draft. I don't remember who it was that Cleveland reporter said was declaring for the draft. I don't. Not like it matters. It was Chris Haynes of the uh, Plain Dealer. Uh, it was it was Bella Trimble, I believe. So that he said that about. But uh, Matt, I, I get that. Uh, it was Diamond Stone. Oh, it was but, Diamond Stone. So he ended up being right, but just a couple of weeks uh, later, uh, I'm still surprised that he ended up saying it. But regardless of that, Matt, on the on the Mellow Trimble thing, this is exactly the kind of move that the NCAA and the NBA have instituted. It's perfect for him for a player like Melo Trimble. And now he gets a chance to see where he's going to be. And the chances of him coming back are just as they were before we knew this news. I'd say it's still 50-50. So what can this comp, the combine is going to tell us everything. So what do you think ends up happening now that we know the combine's end of May, we'll know by then presumably where his stock is. Where's the position where he would certainly be waffling on maybe going to the NBA and deciding to come back to Maryland for his junior year? Uh, Melo's going to have a very fun next six weeks or so. Uh, something I do want to touch on uh, first, though, before we leave uh, Stone and, and Carter is the effect on Maryland uh, for the both of them. Uh, obviously, the, it was an individual decision where they had to decide you know, what's going on and what's best for them. But if they were going to leave, uh, this this works out pretty well for Mark Turgeon actually, and and the rest of the recruiting staff because uh, the spring signing period is happening in two weeks, and I'm sure Turgeon's making late pushes. He's probably had some sort of an idea of whether Stone and Carter were going to leave, but now that he definitively definitively knows that both of them are going to leave, uh, he has a little bit better of a recruiting pitch. And Melo Trimble deciding uh, you know that he's still unsure of whether he's going to go or not doesn't really affect. Turgeon and, and and the rest of them because they're backwards Anthony pretty Cow- deep anyway. Anthony Anthony Cowan's coming in, Jalen Brantley's staying. They're they're pretty solid at point guard, but at least it gives them some freedom to say, hey, if you come to Maryland, we have spots open now at power forward and center. So, uh, so that part of it's good. Touching back on Trimble now, though, uh, Trimble's going to have an, an interesting time now. Uh, he's a, f- you know, as we're reading on Draft Express, which isn't, you know, it, it's the best source we have, but we don't know what's going going on in general managers' minds, but. He's going to be somewhere in that late first round, early second round range. And what's what's crucial about that is second round picks aren't going to make as much money as first round picks. And first round picks stick to a scale. So you can you can tell right now about how much money the 20th pick in the draft is going to make. But the 31st pick in the draft, you don't know. Uh, they tend to, to stay around league minimum or however uh, you know they can bend around salary caps. But that's where agents become crucial because you don't know exactly how much money you're going to make or the structure of your contract or how many years you're guaranteed uh things become interesting and Melo Trimble is a first round talent if he can get everything you know put together correctly uh so saying another year may might benefit him in getting more money and with the, the salary cap rising in next year mm-hmm. for next year the rookie scale could be completely different it could work extremely in his favor and maybe the number 30 pick next year gets twice the amount of money that it does this year who knows for him right now, he's going to go through the combine, which probably isn't even the most important thing. The only real important thing at the combine is he's going to get official measurements. So whether Maryland has been saying he's 6'3 and he's really 6'2, those things you know, will be proven there as he's actually measured. They'll get a height on him. They'll get a weight on him. They'll get wingspan. They'll get his uh, short runs and dashes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what's going to be important for Melo is when he gets invited into team workouts. And with the new rules, each uh, each player is allowed to work out once with any of the 30 teams or however many of the 30 teams they you know they get invited to. And that's where he'll have his time to shine. 
uh, that's that'll be when teams start bringing in, you know, maybe between three and seven guys at the most uh, to work out and really get down the drills that, you know, their concerns, whether they're concerned about Merlo's quickness or uh, his ability to defend, you know, they'll be able to work out and evaluate on their own. What's likely to happen there is uh, team promises, and we'll probably see a lot more of those this year as teams try to pry out the young guys and uh, like Melo and say, hey, we have pick number 24, and you're not going to go lower than that because if you're on the board, you're going to get taken. And those things might sway Melo to say, okay, I'm not going to go lower than 24. And then he'll, you know, he'll sign an agent. So it, it'll be team workouts where he has his time to shine and, and see where he fits in. Don't you think, though, next year, not only talking about the cap going to go crazy because of the new NBA TV deals, but also next year's draft is deeper. We've talked about that for the front court players, but for the back court players, I mean, I don't even, you know more about this than I do, but the 2017 draft looks to be pretty nuts. So does that also affect his decision seeing as I might be a first round talent next year. I might be more of a top 20 or 15 to 25 ish pick, but because of the draft next year and all the players that are coming in, I might not be picked then, and if this year, let's say, oh, I don't know, who's a, who's a team that might need Melo Trimble that's in the playoffs? I don't pay attention to these things as well as I should, Matt. Uh, there, are, there, there, are, there are a number of them. but So, so throw one out. Let's say they're eliminated in the second round. Uh, oh, God, who, who knows? Memphis. I'm just going out a name. That might not actually be a place you could go, but let's just say it's Memphis for a reason, uh, for reasons unknown, and, and they're picking 22. Like, if they're going to say he's not going to get lower than 22, that probably gets leaked to the media, and it might be a smokescreen. You don't know that. As an NFL draft fan, I've learned about the use of smokescreens in this process. Uh, he's going to have to decode a lot. And it's yeah. and there's also risk in going back to college, too, in that his stock could fall even more. And with a crowded backcourt, unlike this year, his playing time could get diminished, even though he's mellow Trimble. Just arrest him and keep him healthy. So he's got a lot to go through. So I'll ask you this. Do you think with all of this information, and we still don't know who's going to pick where because of the playoffs, do you think Melo Trimble ends up leaving as we sit at 8.03 p.m. on April 11th, 2016? At 8.03 on April 11th, Melo Trimble doesn't know. Melo Trimble's parents don't know. GMs don't know. Turgeon doesn't know. Nobody knows. I mean, no one's going to know until until we get to that time. It's it's impossible to speculate because we don't know, you know, what's going on on the inside right now. So I don't want to say I'd, I know either, you know, I want to guess either what's way. What's your gut say? What's your gut say? <laughs> I have no clue. I mean, I really I really have no idea. Uh, him st- Again, I know you mentioned next year's draft class being deeper, which it will be. I mean, uh, scouts are talking that this is one of the best draft classes we've seen in, in a long time. And a lot of that is based on guards. I mean, the guard play is going to be tremendous. So will a 19-year-old look better over an almost, well, he will be next year, 22-year-old Mel Trimble? Sure. Uh, even if they're of the same level of play, and uh, they're going to go based on, on age most likely. Uh, I don't think that that really is going to go into Trimble's decision, though. That's, that's a pretty, you know, I don't think players look at themselves like that. And I'm sure Mel Trimble thinks he's the most talented guard in the draft regardless. Uh, but he has a lot to think about. Uh, he's going to make money either way. He's going to find a spot in the NBA either way. It just depends on when he when he thinks he's ready and when he thinks he has the best chance to uh, to make money to live on. Alex has been sitting on the sidelines for a while, so I'm now going to let him chip in on this discussion. Not on what do you think he's going to end up doing, but is there anything that Matt said in the past little discussion that caught your ears? 
I think that Matt's right that it's really hard to make a call on what he'll do. Uh, I was actually, uh, just a little bit ago, I was talking to somebody who um, actually seems to seems to know what's going on here, and I don't think that, I, you know, I asked, what's your what's your view on if he'll go or not? And uh, he said exactly what Matt just said, literally verbatim. He doesn't know. Uh, so I think that's pretty uh, pretty accurate, and it's not just something they're saying to avoid answering questions. Uh, I think if Melo Trimble knew, uh, or he even really had a, a complete conception of it at all, I think he would have either not declared or or not hired an agent. Um, because I think they're also, and maybe Matt can tell me if I'm wrong here, but if you don't think you're ready uh, and you don't think you'll be evaluated well during the, the scouting combine if you get an invitation and throughout workouts and that with teams, um, I think it would probably be fair to say that you could actually hurt yourself. So it's not a completely zero-sum uh, or a completely no-risk, excuse me, way of going after it. Um, though it's pretty close when you when you do it without an agent, but I think that he legitimately uh, is very much on the fence, and it's it's a tough fence to be on. And for us to guess as to whether or not he'll go uh, would just kind of be guessing for the sake of guessing and sounding smart. But I really don't know, and I don't think he knows either. Yep, Matt. Any comment on that? Nope, that pretty much sums it up. I really don't think that anyone who says that they have an idea has an idea right now because. It would very much surprise me if uh, if he was leaning either way this early. We have a whole other six or seven weeks before uh, things start getting real and projections start getting more solidified because anything can change right now. There's still the draft order, which we don't know. I want to quickly get to some transfer discussions as well as what Maryland has left. I know, Alex, we talked about it last week, but I haven't gotten Matt's opinion. Maryland's backcourt's going to be decently deep next year, we think. Uh, with the players that are coming back and Anthony Cowan and Kevin Horder. I don't know how to pronounce his name yet. I'll figure it out. So I'm just going to call him Kevin for now. Uh, just it's Herder. It's what? Herder. Herder. Okay, that's a lot better than what I was thinking. I've had Spanish, had to pronounce Spanish names that go crazy. Diseases, <laughs> THs. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, the backcourt's going to be fairly deep. Uh, he's not. It's not like he would be coming back to a position where he wouldn't be the star and he wouldn't be number one overall. But it's not like Maryland's going to be in complete and utter tatters if he leaves. They're going to have four guards who can play and play decently well and enough experience to help out a guy like Anthony Cowan. Uh, if Bella Trimble does leave and they all three of them, or two of them are already gone, if Bella Trimble does hire an agent, then it's going to be a rebuilding year for Maryland. But it's not like they're going to be terrible. It's not like they're going to have nothing in the backcourt to replace them. They've got decent players coming in. I think it's the front court where it gets more interesting. But uh, quickly on the backcourt, uh, these guys aren't going to be bad. They're going to be interesting backcourt next season with Cowan and the lot. So what do you think about that group? Uh, no, obviously it's hard to... I know, it's but I have to, to ask these questions. I, yeah, no, but I, oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna preface it by saying, you know, it's gonna be hard to know because we don't know how the rookies will fit in right away. We saw, we saw a huge difference when we thought Roddy Peters was gonna be the guy at Maryland, and that didn't work out so well. And then the following year, another freshman steps in, and Mello Trimble becomes the best thing ever. So, uh, yeah, you can never be 100 percent sure. It's gonna be, there's gonna be a lot of pressure on the incoming guys, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. I mean. Uh, Micah Thomas is a guy who probably wouldn't have gotten a lot of minutes on a lot of teams, but now, you know, with, with forwards clearing out, he'll probably get a lot of playing time next year. Uh, Kevin Herter will probably also slide down, play a lot of small forward because, uh, you know, the, the depth at shooting guard because Deion Wiley and Darren Nickens will both be back and they should both be in pretty good shape. Uh, I think next year is going to be... It might, it might be a little less pressure on Turgeon. He doesn't, you know, no one's going to think that this is the Final Four team. It's going to be a fringe 
tournament team probably at best if Melo comes back just because there's so many question marks. They don't really have a power forward. It's just even Bender right now, and the only true small forward they have is the freshman Micah Thomas. So at forward, they're going to have to look at transfer options if they want to be competitive for next year and even beyond that because uh, Melo Trimble, it's you know it's hard to imagine that he'd come back for a senior year also. So uh, Maryland's going to move on now. They they stacked up for this year. This was the big year. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that well, but they proved that they could they could collect talent. So I think Turgeon will once again collect talent, and he's got a couple of guys coming in right now who aren't one-and-done guys, aren't rentals like Diamond. Diamond came in at the perfect time because he was the perfect fit for the perfect team. Uh, and he's gone, and you know what? That doesn't really change too much uh, in, in Turgeon's plans. And now he gets three, four stars who are expected to be with the team for a little bit. I don't think any of them will be leaving uh, the following year. So it, it's a little bit of a rebuild, And but Maryland should still be competitive. Any team with Melo Trimble is going to be competitive. If I think he's going to... If he comes back, sure. Uh, yeah. And, you know, if he comes back, he'll revert a little bit to his time with uh, with Des Wells, where we see Melo Trimble averaging close to 20 points a game again. That will be fun. Uh, Alex, on, and quickly on the transfers, we're hearing Mark Turgeon is bringing some people in. That's not surprising. He's really good at, with the transfer market, which is a phrase from another sport. He's also really good at recruiting talent and getting talent. So I'm not worried about replenishing it. But what do you think about the group next year and some names that Maryland fans should be looking out for as possible uh, transfer targets? Uh, that's tough too. Uh, there have been it's a couple. It's equally as hard, but I have. Yeah, yeah I have to there have been a couple of guys out there. You know, one one guy who I don't think is actually transferring, but the, the, I know it's been whispered about just because it would be so amazing for Maryland is uh, Alec Peters from Valpo. Who, oh uh, God! Yeah, I mean he's he's amazing. You know, I, I mean he's the kind of player who meets the profile of someone who transfers um, because he's played three years now in the Horizon League, which he's clearly too good for. Um, but I haven't actually seen any reporting that he's considering leaving. So I'm sure that Maryland and, and well, pretty much every team in the country that has Ohio a spot. State, oh, sorry about that, but the, all of Ohio State and Michigan are basically leaving, so you never right. know. Right, and, and that actually raises another point that uh, a lot of the Big Ten is kind of up in the air. I don't really think it's just Maryland. I mean, who's going to be good next year? Michigan State certainly going to be good. Indiana has Wisconsin, Thomas Bryant back. Wisconsin's Wisconsin. Gonna be good. <laughs> that's three teams that are going to be, like, definitely, definitely good. And then other than that, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really see Maryland being a double-buy team in the Big Ten again next year, which it was for the last two. But, uh, you know, Purdue's losing A.J. Hammonds, who did virtually everything for them, although they can swap in uh, Isaac Haas, who's just as big, um, even bigger, perhaps. And doesn't uh, do quite as much, though. doesn't do quite as much. Um, so it's just, I don't think Maryland's alone in, in being in uncertain waters right now. That's true absolutely true so i guess to wrap up this discussion tie a bow around it none of the news we've seen is surprising next year's probably a rebuilding year whether mellow trimble comes back either way and the big lesson here is do not tweet nasty things at recruit at players who are not coming to maryland via recruiting or that are leaving maryland to go to the nba draft please do not do that it doesn't look very good for you and the school you represent Please don't do that on behalf of all of us here at Sestude of Times. Agreed. Right? Absolutely agreed on that, that one. That is absolutely frustrating. But I do have some good tidings, and they all come from the football field. This is very, very rare. Usually it's the reverse where everything negative is happening in football and everything positive is happening in basketball. But Alex is going to join me shortly. This might be another podcast. It might be another segment to the one you're already listening to. You'll know that by the time you're listening. 
Uh, we're going to talk about all of the interesting news that's happened in football, and I know Matt Ellentuck isn't the world's biggest football fan, so uh, we're going to bring Ryan Connors on very shortly, but Matt, thank you for joining us. It was great to have you back on the show again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.